Hey, TNA producer Bella here. If you'd like to reach out to the show, you can reach us via email at tensandaces21 at gmail.com. That's tensandaces, the number 21 at gmail.com. We also have a Facebook page, simply called The Tens and Aces Podcast, if you're still on Facebook anyway. Or you can catch us on the web by going to anchor.fm slash TA21. Can I have the room for a minute? Everybody out. My empire is crumbling! All right, everyone back in? One of these losers in Las Vegas who keeps thinking he's going to come up with a way to win at Blackjack. Are you ready for some TNA? Welcome to TNA, the Tens and Aces podcast. A podcast with true-to-life stories and experiences from advantaged players in the game of blackjack. From pros crushing it and making a living counting cards, to newer players who are just making their way through all the ups and downs of what can be, at times, both an equally frustrating and beautiful game of AP Blackjack. Is this the kind of thing you want to hear? Well, listen up, because we're about to give you some TNA. Here's your host, Mike AP. And welcome to the show today. As the man just said, I'm your host of this transmission of our experiment in imaginary radio that we like to call TNA, the Tens and Aces podcast. So if this is the kind of thing you want to hear, well, listen up, because we're about to give you some TNA. Well, with me today is Joe Miner. How is it going there, Joe? Hey, Mike, it's going great. It's been a good start to 2023 looking forward to hitting hitting some tables and actually i'm looking forward to hitting some tables where i can spend some time actually playing getting some hours in yeah i went to a trip to a location that i wanted to play these two good double deck games and my friends all went there and they lasted you know three four days and uh they say you're going to be able to you know you're going to be able to last a long time right. so flew in went to this first place got there around 10 11 o'clock, something like that. And I was the only guy in the pit playing heads up. Mm-hmm. Great $50 double deck game, and I loved the game. I was talking to the dealer, talking to the pit boss, you know, trying to do my social stuff, mm-hmm. spreading. And then at the end of two hours, the pit boss comes up to me and says, you know, we're going to countermeasure you. You're limited to table minimum, one hand, and we're going to cut the shoe in half. That's suspicious. So I said, okay. So I took up my chips and, and left and talked to one of my friends, you know, that was in the area and about cashing out. And they said, well, they have a $3,000 max, so don't cash out more than that. You're going to have to come back the next day. So I cash out part and I said, I want to go over to this other casino. And they were saying, well, they think that where I was playing shares information with this other casino that I wanted to go to. Right. I said, okay, then, then I'm not going to play anymore today. So I went back to where I was staying and went back the following morning to this other casino. And same thing, we went to this pit. There's a couple other people in the pit this time, but I was playing heads up, you know, the $50 game, spreading, you know, two hands. And about half hour, the pit boss comes up and pulls up a stool. And I'm, I'm at third base, right? So right. She, she sits down between me and the dealer and says, you know, I'm going to sit here and 
watch this game for a while. From my recollection, aren't you the card shark, the golf hustler, pimp from Beverly Hills? So the, that was for <laughs> the end of this. <laughs> that was for the end of this one shoe. The dealer then offered me the card to cut, so I cut the card, and she put it in. She set her cut card about uh, one third of the way from the top, so I was only going to see around thirty cards before they could deal <laughs> up again. That's weird. So that was a, that was kind of a soft countermeasure, but it was pretty obvious. So I picked up my chips and left and went back to the other casino, cashed out, and I made good good money in the two and a half hours, but it was two and a half hours, and I flew a long ways. The captain has turned on his no AP sign. You are free to move about the casino so long as you are not at this table. That happens, as you know, though, right? Oh, yeah. I know now. And I know my friends play a much bigger spread than what I do, and they lasted two or three days. So I'm going wow. to I'm gonna have to work on my act somehow. Did they play in a busier shift? or? That's what we think, yeah. I went there and played in the morning. They were playing like graveyard. So that was the conclusion that we came mm -hmm. to, was that I need, to, uh, I need to go in the pit. Maybe that's not as fresh and maybe have a little more people around. I love playing heads up, but having other people people in the pit so the pit boss has something to do besides watch me right that's that's the thing obviously for from a pure ev's perspective and rounds per hour you want to play heads up but then right. again again how long are you going to play heads up especially if there's no one else in the pit if the pit boss has other stuff to do then you know maybe i don't know it's, it's a, that's a balancing act because you know you, you can put all the numbers into a computer it can spit out what you're supposed to get for ev but none of that matters if you can't play <laughs> right yeah, absolutely so I, I i've been working with my friend nubs you know nubs friend of the show what's up nubs hey nubs so anyway so he's been working with me on on an, an alternate spread for when i go back to vegas so i I'm, i won't be quite as obvious hopefully and i can i can last longer and so this is kind of a segue i had a post on bja and uh, i got a response back burning down the house he was telling me that I should probably start looking at, you know, suboptimal best spreads so I can get in, get in more time. So that's, that's what I've been doing. I've been playing around with that. So I'm going to Vegas beginning Thursday and we'll see what happens. That's definitely a hard choice to make the whole maximizer versus optimizer debate. But I totally, in your situation, you got to, and it changes with, with market to market situation, to situate, even shift to shift. Cause you know, you I don't know, you said your buddies were playing a bigger spread than you were. Yeah. It just, they were, they lasted days and you lasted hours. Yeah. Both to have the, the greatest cover there is, you know, old age and that didn't work. Yeah. Let's segue into that. You're a little bit untraditional of the typical card counting career. Let's go over that for the listeners. So how did you get into blackjack, Joe? I started in 1990 or maybe it was 91. At the time, I was living a four and a half hour drive away from Vegas and I had a friend and his name was Toy Man. And so Toy Man and I, he, he said, Hey, let's go to Vegas and, and, uh, we can, we can play some blackjack. And I said, I don't know anything about blackjack. So we were staying at the Tropicana. I thought, Hey, this is good stuff. I'm going to bring 300 bucks with me. I can, I can lose 300 bucks. <laughs> and so we, we go in the Tropicana, sit down at this table. And prior to that, I'd, I'd studied basic strategy. So I knew basic strategy before I went in, but that's all I knew. Right. And he was teaching me how to play what turned out to be the Martingale betting system. And so we were uh, sitting down and played, and I lasted about 20 minutes with my 300 bucks. That took care of that. Wow. And then we came back again. Martingale <laughs> usually lasts longer than that. 
especially I don't know what table minimums were back well, in 1990, but oh, we, I think we were playing like nickel tables. Uh, I didn't have any money, and we we ended up going back a couple of months later, and I thought, okay, this time I'm bringing uh, 400 bucks, and <laughs> oh, yeah. uh, same casino, and uh, it, it was kind of weird because the pit boss was dressed up like Elvis Presley. It was kind of like a party atmosphere, and awesome. this time I think my money lasted maybe 10 minutes longer. But I started thinking more and more about the game, and I said, you know, what's wrong with with how we were playing then is how we were betting. So I said, our bet scheme is all wrong because there's there's no way you can sustain that and so then i started diving into it i read books learned how to count learned high low on my own ended up joining uh, bj21.com found casino ready so i did practicing subsequent to that went back well uh i get uh, knocked down uh but uh you know uh, i i get up again man I get up again. You're never gonna knock me down. Come here probably with a, you know, maybe a thousand dollars just next time, and then it sort of took off after that. So uh, played around like you know a thousand to twelve hundred hours in the next ten years, and uh, build up a decent bankroll. Mm-hmm. And then 2003, I retired, moved to uh, East Coastish, and in the middle of nowhere to play. So I, I'd, I'd fly back to Vegas, you know, once or twice a year, and you know, play 20 hours. But yeah. so yeah, so uh, I started off late in life, and I, I just turned 78, and I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying the game more now than I ever have, and have a nice bankroll, and I'm looking forward to playing more. And a little hobby that makes you uh, extra uh, supplemental income. That's pretty great. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so that was... Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, at what point do you believe or do your charts tell you that you were a winning player? Like in the 90s, after you got all your basic strategy and your high-low down, or well, was it after your bankroll was proper, or when, when do you feel like you became a winning player? I think, uh, okay, uh, I didn't know anything about the term AP until I joined BJA in, uh, in 21. So sure. prior to that, I'd never heard that, never heard that term. But I, in, in the nineties, I thought I was, I thought I was a good player. I dropped high low and learned RPC mm-hmm. and cause I was only playing double deck and just based on my, my results, cause I, I never had during that 10 year period, I never had a, a losing year. You know, I might have a, a losing month or several losing sessions but over that 10 year period i never had any uh losing year so i i thought i was pretty good and then fast forward to 2021 you know during the covid years I thought, hey, no, I want to. I did some research on uh, bj21.com and I saw Colin's name mentioned a couple of times. So I did some research and then joined. And then it, it, it wasn't until then that I realized, you know, I might have been more lucky than good, even though I thought my basic strategy was, was perfect and my counting was perfect. BJA just, just really solidified it for me. But I just, really, if I want to do this, I got to, I got to do it right. So then I just mm-hmm. really knuckled down and started training and uh, increasing my bankroll. And uh, so my, my next goal is to get a big enough bankroll that I can play black at a 1% or less ROR. So that's, that's, that's my immediate goal. Yeah, that's 
that's a, a nice place to be at. But back house will come so much. I'm sure you, you oh. know, will come so much faster if you play with team money or anything like that. I don't know if you have, but no, I haven't. Okay, well, they, they it depends on the casino, but you know, obviously, the more you bet, if you're a black, ch- it it depends though. In a high limit room, you might be the low guy. Last year when I was in Vegas, I thought, okay, I'm I'm going to do uh, a smaller spread. So my max bet back then was was two by a hundred, and I still got kicked out of three places. I mean, even betting that. So I, I I think your comment earlier and, and one that Nubs told me was that you know I, I need to pay more attention to to the shifts and how many people are there and pay attention to pit bosses. Some pit bosses don't care, some pit bosses care, and you, you just have to make note of who those are and avoid the ones that are after you. Yeah, and that's where networking comes in handy too, because if you have you know a guy in every area, you know every market or two or three and you can share with them your local market they'll have notes like that to share if they trust yeah, you yeah that's what i did on on, on uh, a recent trip one thing i've learned since bja and especially since boot camp you know is how valuable networking is my my first network connection was nubs and then they did the east coast meetup and met some other guys and talking to them and you know, <laughs> what was weird is that one of the guys at the east coast meetup uh lec lec you know have you yep. You know, so I was talking to him. We were talking about about age and and stuff because uh, I, I was there and I was playing at one of the casinos there in in Philly and I was talking about my spread and this one other younger twenty ish kid was there and he, uh, he he was saying that. He got backed off after about the 30 minutes with the same spread I was, and I was there for about an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. So we think, okay, well, maybe maybe being older and having gray hair does make a difference. Imagine if you yeah. were older, your age, and Asian. <laughs> you have an Asian oh. superpower and the old superpower. <laughs> that would do it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll go for that. So anyway, yeah, I don't think it necessarily makes a difference on the spread. I think it, it, a lot of it is what shift what pit boss is there and and uh what you're doing i mean i've, I've been looking back on my play maybe i'm too mechanical in what i'm doing so i've got to figure that out things like your eyes having your eyes like always go to the discard rack or when they scan the cards when they're flipped over like on double deck or single deck or things that need to be brushed up i don't know maybe you already do that fine just having an act is great and, yeah it, 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 and, it, and that's what i was working on just this last trip i'd be i'm I'm basically an introvert and I don't do a lot of talking, but this last trip I was talking to the dealers, I was talking to the pit boss and, and I hardly ever glance at the, uh, discard tray. I just catch a glimpse out of the corner of my eye and, and, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm good at, uh, reading the cards that are, that are in there. Maybe that's not it. Maybe it's just me kind of being paranoid and thinking about stuff. Or, you know, going from, the last hammy for the shuffle every time from, you know, cause often end of the shoes when it ramps very, yeah. very often <laughs> going from whatever your unit is to, you know, say, I don't know, 10 units or something uh, to, you know, one unit <laughs> after every shuffle, things like well, that, you know, I, I definitely do that. Well, I, uh, I had been doing that. I always go back to whatever 
whatever my uh, minimum bet is to start off with, I always, I have been always going back to that. That's one of the things I'm changing up, you know, uh, going into this this next trip. So just, I think it's just adding a little bit, little bit of things here or there, changing up stuff. Hopefully it's going to make a difference because I, I was sure I had to get some hours in. Yeah, sometimes I'll do uh, two units off the top after a shuffle. Yep. And then yep. if the count goes negative, I'll drop down to one. But if it, if it stays positive or it goes up, you have a little bit of a hidden, your bet's not going to move quite as fast, but you can still obviously bet with the count. And, I, do, and, I do that too. And, and, and that's exactly what we talk about doing. Either start off with two hands of two units or one hand of one unit and then go accordingly. Yeah, if you get hammered on the, the two hands of two units on that hand, just say some ploppy shit like, oh man, I'm going to go back to one hand to change it up. <laughs> or, 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 you know, you're killing me, Smalls. Yeah, yeah. I surrender. I give up. There's one chip. So over as many years as you've been playing, you must have some good stories. Let's get into some of those. You got to have some good stories. I know you do. And you know this, man. Okay, well, let's see. So early on, this is this isn't necessarily a story, but uh, about how the the game has changed. Because in 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 the nineties, I mean, there were a ton of great double deck games in Vegas. Uh, now there may be thirteen or fourteen. The rules are so much worse now than they were back then. Food was really cheap then. I remember uh, Golden Gate. They, they had they had a dollar shrimp cocktails and a seven dollars seventy seven cent porterhouse steaks and. Dollar ninety nine breakfasts and all of those good food deals are gone. The phase and all that stuff, yeah. Yeah. When you visit Las Vegas, you can enjoy yourself at Jackie Gon's Plaza Hotel at the top of Main and Fremont downtown. Stay in one of over a thousand rooms and suites at the plaza. Whether you're visiting or live in Las Vegas, you'll delight at the show of lights while dining in the Glass Dome Center Stage Restaurant after the sun goes down. Any time of the day or night, you'll find something good to eat in the popular Plaza Diner. Take a break in the Omaha Lounge. Enjoy your favorite beverage and live entertainment. And if sports is your thing, don't forget the Plaza Sportsbook. You can keep tabs on your favorite sports teams. 24 hours a day, there is something happening at Jackie Gon's Plaza Hotel. Plenty of free parking, too. The Plaza Hotel, Maine and Fremont, downtown. And I, I remember one time I was with Toy Man, and he likes to fish. We, uh, we went and stopped by a place called Lake Topaz, which is, I don't know, it's on the border of California and Nevada, someplace toward, up toward Reno, I think. So in this place is a dive hotel, because that was near the, the river he wanted to fish, and they had a, some machine games and a table game, right? So I was sitting down there, and uh, Toy Man was playing the machines, and I played, it was a Two dollar, two dollar blackjack table. If you <laughs> and I, I, I'm sitting down and I'm up maybe twenty bucks. The dealer was also the pit boss. He says you can no longer play blackjack here. You can go. You're, you're welcome to play the uh, machines, but your game is too good for us. And I said, <laughs> "What are you talking about? I'm up twenty dollars, and it's a two dollar table. I'm just here trying to trying to relax and have some fun." He says, "Sorry, good for you, but take the twenty bucks and go." One of the 
time and we were in the Vegas at Man Bay. And mm-hmm. at, at that time, Man Bay had a, they had a great two day game. We, I hit at noon on one day and, and, uh, we weren't, we weren't killing it. I mean, we were up several hundred dollars after about 20 minutes, maybe half hour. We left and then mistake we made, we came back the following day, same time, same pit. And we were there for once again, about the same amount of time. And we were up several hundred dollars. And then uh, I got a tap on the shoulder and guy in the suit and he said, please step away from the table, sir. And I did. And he, he said, well, your, your game's too good for us. You cannot play here. Uh, and he actually read to me the trespass act. He had a little card and he read that. And but behind him were these two guards with, with, with sidearms and, and, wow. but, but they're, but, but, but they were older guys, right? I mean, they were, they, they, I mean, they might've been my age then. And so they tapped me out and then the count was so good on that last hand. And so Toy Man was able to keep on playing. And uh, I think he won, he won quite a bit on that, on that last hand. And they uh, did the same thing to him. And they were, they were, they, they said, okay, we're going to walk you to the cashier. You can cash it. We're going to walk you to get your car. We're going to watch you leave. And he said, don't come back. We have facial recognition. We will call Metro and have you arrested. So uh, we went to the cage, cashed out. We went over uh, and got in their car. And that was a mistake. I was told later on, should not have done that. You should have just, just got a t- taxi and then came back later to get your car. They can get your license plate. Absolutely. But it, 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 as we were walking from point A to point B, these two make-believe cops were, they were laughing. And they said, what are you guys laughing about? And they were saying, what do you think we're going to do to you guys if you, if you t- take off and start running? There's no <laughs> way we're going to catch you. And we're, and we're not going to shoot you. Uh, so so the, the sidearms are just basically props. <laughs> <laughs> they were they were probably props, yeah, yeah. Squirt guns, uh, so, <laughs> squirt guns. But anyway, so uh, uh, I, I didn't go back into I didn't go back into Man Bay for about two years, but I had to I had to go in and see if, if what this says is true. But definitely after two years, they they forgot. What, and, what year and, was the, was this the story you just told? What year was this? It was probably ninety seven. Oh yeah, you, even back back then, I don't know that they had license plate readers. Oh no, no, they, of course now they, they do. So. Yeah, they, they, yeah, they, they for sure do now. So in around this same era, uh, we were playing up 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 north in Vegas. I, I can't remember. It was Bighorn or some real dive, and I'm. I'm aware of my surroundings, but I'm not, a, I'm not afraid of my surroundings. I mean, I, I've been in some rough areas in, in Los Angeles and walked around there and, you know, and stuff and never felt afraid. And then this is midday park in the middle of the parking lot. And as we were walking from the car to the casino, I had this little chill run up down my spine. I said, holy shit, man, what are we doing here? And so we, uh, walked walk into this place and man, talk about a rough place. Uh, but we still stayed. Sat down after about three or four minutes, the dealer came over because there was no no dealer when we when we sat down, and he looks at Toy Man and me and says, "You boys lost." <laughs> so they say, "Well, what are you doing here? You shouldn't be in this place." <laughs> so we said, hey, "We're just here to play." So we, we played for a little bit and left. But you, know, you boys lost. That's funny. What made the what made it uh, so rough? What was the environment like? Oh, it's it's a clientele. I mean, uh, uh, they were they 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 looked they were like they were street people and and they were out. 
out uh, if, <laughs> if they could steal your money, they would. And so we, we didn't stay too long, but I guess he could tell how we were dressed. I mean, we, 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 were, we were wearing shorts and Hawaiian shirts, but it, it was not the, the, the local garb that, uh, that everybody else was, was wearing. Sounds like, from what I'm hearing in that environment, Hawaiian shirts and shorts is basically saying rob me. I'm a tourist. <laughs> yeah, right. I'm sure. yeah, yeah, yeah. And then there's uh, this well, one other time we were playing at, at Rio mm-hmm. and at, at a crowded table. And uh, we were, uh, it been back then, I was only playing single hand. I wasn't doing two hand stuff like, like I'm doing now, sitting down there and, and spreading like 25 to 200 bucks, something like that. And uh, we decided to go a catty corner across the street to the Palms. So we, we got up and left. And we went over the palms and started playing there some and came back two or three hours later. That pit was safe. was still open. Our places at this one table were still available and sat down and played more. And then the following month and for the next several months, we got these incredible offers from palms, you know, sweets and, and uh, all the comp food. And nice. It, it, it wasn't just one month. It lasted two or three months. And then we later found out that the pit boss never checked us out at, uh, <laughs> at, at, at Rio. So she, she had us down at, at, at our max best for about, well, like about six hours. So that, that was fun. They were tough then. I mean, they, uh, I was backed off several times in the nineties plus that one trespass. And, but, but I don't, I, the pit wasn't as paranoid or paid as much attention to you then as, as they do now. I mean, You've got to, you've got to really hone on, you've got to really hone up your, your, your act. And that's, that's what I'm trying to do now is in, in improve my act and improve my spread. Do you, I know for me and other people, sometimes we think they're looking at us, but they're not. Right. You know, that's, that's kind of a hard thing to get to learn too. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, with the way that, uh, I mean, Toy Man and I, we, we, we weren't a team, but we, we, we just went as friends and played and he always played third base and I was always shortstop and I'd count, placed the bets. He knew a basic strategy, but he didn't count. And so if my bet went up, his bet went up. And sure. if my bet went down, his bet would go down. So he piggybacked uh, you. Yeah. Sure. He did. He, That's he did, why but, he played third base because he can. Right. Well, yeah. well, that right. plus. His job was to watch the pit. Whenever oh, okay. he thought the pit was watching us, or if, if two or three people would come over and start to watching us, we we had these codes set up. So he'd say something like, "Hey, I need a crown royal," and that meant, "Hey, uh, it's it's time to think about leaving." Uh, so that's what his job. We he'd watch the pit, and I'd watch the table. I remember this one time that I was playing at somewhere that I. Got a lot of hours in it. It's a pretty good game up here in the Seattle area. Really good game, actually. got up and I was way ahead and I got up and walked around for a while, took a break because the table got full and I was going to go back when it was less full because there's only one good table at this place. So I come back 
I sit down, I'm playing, and I hear a pit boss yell my, my actual name. And like a dumbass, I turn around, look. <laughs> I gave I told him my name was Mike, which if listeners don't know, that's not my real name. <laughs> he said my real name, my full name, my first and last name, and I turned my head like Holy three, shit. like three quarters, because they were trying to see if I was that's who I was. And shoe ended, I went to the bathroom, got back, and there was security waiting there for me. <laughs> I was like, oh man, I totally effed that one up, big time. You know, just had a ref- reflex. Someone calls your name, you turn your head. Yeah, yeah. It, well, it, how'd they learn your name? And I would have made millions if it hadn't been for you meddling kids. I don't know. Maybe they found my picture in a OSN entry or something. I don't. I don't. I don't know. Well, huh, um, huh. because uh, it wasn't my car. Because my car at that time didn't have plates on it because it was still had dealer tags. Matter of fact, my car has it has dark tinted windows in the back where the dealer, you know, the temporary tag is. And it yes. Expi- it expired in uh, November eighth, and I've. St- I still have that tag on. I have my registration and my actual plates in my glove box. And I have the little, you know, like the dealer fake plates, you know, like they're shaped like a lifeway. It's like Joe's Automotive yeah. or whatever, whatever dealer it is. <laughs> That's cool. I haven't had one problem. Plus, you know, I save on tools too. So. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Hold up a second. I think I need to add a little post-production comment here on this imaginary radio transmission. I am not a lawyer and I do not play one on this podcast. So with that having been said, if you do choose to drive around with expired temporary tags on your vehicle for many months, just understand that you do so at your own risk. All right. Now back to the show. I, I don't have that problem anymore because no matter where I go, I've got to fly and rent a car. It's always, it's always it's rental plates, so I'm not concerned about plates. Yeah, that's always great when they, they want to follow you out to your car and they're like, where are you parked? I'm like, well, you can follow me if you want to. Write my plates down, but you know, it's, it's a rental. Go ahead. Have at it. <laughs> up too one of the most important things we can do is network oh absolutely talk to friends and 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 i I've, i've been fortunate about you know some of the people that i've talked to and gotten advice from and and uh talking about you know uh how to not really do cover plays but how to uh, make yourself less less visible. So uh, I drop a couple names here. So I was talking to RX Gamble and Sassy Red here last year, and and uh, they were saying for me one of the best things is 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 my age. You know, so they just just keep doing it. And and RX Gamble was was saying, hey, that that her mom is is my age, and, and she was she was as 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 active with stuff as I am. So. It, mm. it, it, it was kind of cool to, to be encouraged by that. Yeah, those are two ladies who definitely know what they're talking about. That's for sure. Yep, they're great. And I, I, I got to do a shout out to, uh, I already talked about Lex. We, I, I found out that he's 50 years younger than I am. And, wow. he, and he's out there, he's out there hitting it, man. And he's, he's, he's doing great. Somebody else that, that really helped me out recently is Marco Polo. He's, he's, he's also a good guy. And another example, I, uh, out of all of my AP friends, most of them are young enough to be my son or even younger than my sons. So 
it's kind of it's, it's it's a weird endeavor, Blackjack. Yeah, and I'm only 49. And <laughs> I still have people that are young enough to be my son or younger than my sons. So. Yeah, well, my son's a couple years older than you, so hey, maybe I'll adopt there you as you a go. kid. <laughs> and, and I'm oh, old. Having, having the right. Of, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I mean, the, 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 this journey is just it's just crazy, and I and I love it, and I wouldn't. I wouldn't, I wouldn't change it for anything. And I'm looking forward to trying to get in uh, more hours this year and next year and play as long as I can. That's awesome, man. I, I, I like hearing stuff like that. That's one thing I like doing on the show is bringing everybody from some guy in his early 20s has been doing it for six months on to, you know, someone like you who's been doing it since the 90s. Since before most of my guests were probably born. <laughs> yeah, 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 but but not only that. I mean, but 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 there's so much to learn about this game, and and you just got to be open, and, and you learn you learn from everybody. Yep, I was just talking yesterday. Well, he messaged me on uh, Facebook Messenger to this guy, and he was talking to me how he's quitting blackjack because he can't get any hours. And I said, well, you got to work on your. It's what we were just talking about. You got to work on your acting. You got to work on your networking. And then he's talking about cashing out chips. So he can't cash out chips because then they got his name. And I was like, well, that's part of what a network's for. You know? Exactly. And it, I think the light went on. And like you said, it, you just keep learning. There's things that I learn all the time. And I'm, you too, as long as you've been doing this. Yeah. Yeah. My goal is that I, uh, and, 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 and I'm on target for it. I just want to get my bankroll up so I can, I can play black right now. I'm just playing green, but I'm, I'm, I'm loving it though, man. It's just loving it. It keeps me young. It keeps my mind alert. Right. That's great. I had a, I have an ex-girlfriend who had brain surgery and her, she liked to play blackjack. Just basic strategy though. Not a, not an AP, but her doctor actually told her to go play blackjack when she was in recovery because it, you know, he asked her like, what do you like to do? And she's like, this, that, whatever, and he told her to do that because it keeps her brain active. Yeah, you know. So I mean, there's, I guess, one doctor's opinion backs up what you're saying there. Yeah, it's it's good and it's fun. And my wife's been really helping me out. His suggestion from Nubs is set up my green felt and have my wife deal to me. So she's been doing that almost every day for the last last two weeks for hey half hour to an hour, and that's that's so much fun for both of you, I imagine. Yeah, yeah. It, I mean, so I mean, in she can now relate to some of the stories I've told her about how uh, the sessions, you know, the, you don't always win. You're going to, you're going to lose. She'd deal to me and we'd actually do the chip thing. And she's got, I'd have, you know, the stacks of $250 chips out there and she'll win two or three of those in a row. And she says, I don't know how you can do it. I don't know how you can keep on coming back and, <laughs> and, and, and betting that kind of money and then have, and then have, right. have them take it from you. I said, Hey, that's the way it is. But then it also, you see me the other way around where I've taken, I've taken every one of your chips several times yeah and you, like you said you had 10 years straight or whatever it was of without a yearly loss maybe you have a session right. two three four in a row ten in a row whatever but in the long run you're in the green at the end of the year oh yeah yeah definitely and 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 uh i've been able to uh, as i said before I've, I've really worked on my bankroll with, with with the sessions i've had since boot camp and uh it's that's uh, that's made a huge, huge, huge difference in a confidence builder. And so, uh, as, as long as I get in the hours, which, uh, that's, that's my goal. I want to, I want to get in the hours. Have you ever thought of maybe having your wife BP for you or would that just be not in her personality oh, no. to put down the, that much money? Oh, no. Uh, it's not her personality. She, she doesn't like betting. She hates casino. She hates the whole environment. So no, it's, uh, she'll deal to me here at the house, but, but that's it. I hate the casino environment. 
It drives me nuts sometimes. But, I, I I just want to go in there and take your money. So that's the that's the that's the reason why I like it. Yeah, especially if they were rude to us, and you know, a couple of years ago or something. You want to, you really want to get those guys, right? I mean, right. It's one, it's one long shoe, and it's all EV, and it doesn't it shouldn't matter. But you know, we're humans, and it, it feels yeah. a little bit better when you take some money from somebody who like backed you off when you were down years ago or something like that. You did me wrong. You did me wrong. You did me wrong. You did me wrong. Talking about one one long EV, so I, I I was thinking about that a while back. So when 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 I was really actively playing in in those ten years, I think I had well maybe twelve hundred hours, you know, which is a, a lot of hours. And then there was a a ten year period where I only got maybe forty hours a year, and now I'm I'm back at it again. But it, it seems like that I, I I just need to forget about the, the previous hours. It's about what I'm accumulating now toward toward the long run, you know. Twelve yeah. hours, that might be a long run. I don't know, but I'm not viewing it that way. Well, for sure. I mean, just you just gotta flush out like like if you're an athlete, like a baseball player. Say you struck out three times earlier in the game, and it's the ninth inning, and you're up to bat. You got you can't hold on to that those three strikeouts. Oh no, outs. you gotta get up there and get ready to do your job and trust yeah. in the math that eventually you know things are going to work out not that math really dictates baseball, but I guess I guess it does in the end. It does, yeah. Uh, what, what, what was that movie, Moneyball, with uh, Brad Pitt? Yeah, yeah it's stats. Yeah, yeah, with, right. same, same, same with Blackjack, and and I definitely, I mean, uh, uh, I was an engineer in my career, so I have I have faith in numbers and faith in the math, and you know, it, it, it's account calls for max bet or two max bets, regardless of how many you lost in a row, you've got to put it back out there. And that's you just can't why, run out of money. Yeah, and that's why you're not playing black chips yet, because you know you're you're playing within your bankroll. Right. So yeah, I mean, no, if you uh, weren't playing uh, with your bankroll, then that'd be pretty scary. But since you are, you know, around a 1% or lower risk, I imagine. Yeah, yeah uh, it's, lower, it's lower than one. Yeah, that's that's great. And even that, you can resize down, so it's not, that's just a, you know, obviously, I'm not saying this for you, you probably know this, I'm saying this for somebody else who might be listening. You can resize down, the risk of ruin is to go from whatever you have to zero, but say you start with 20 grand and you get down to 10, you can resize your bets right, right at 10, right? So that way, right. it, it, maybe I'm just talking too much here, I don't know. Please don't start to ramble on, but here you go again, you're going on and on and Shut up! Shut up! Oh no, no, it's good. I love, I love being able to reinforce all the stuff. I, I played basketball in 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 high school and a little bit in college. And uh, mm-hmm. every every training session, you always did something something basic. It's you've got to know your basics. So it's just like car counting. You got to know basic strategy, and you've got to know your deviation. You've got to know your bet ramps. You know all that stuff. And, and you got to be smart about how you're doing your bets. And you got to be humble enough. Even someone like you's been doing it thirty some years to. Still have your wife deal to you. Still practice the deviations, you know, drill, whatever. I mean, oh I, yeah, I do because oh, otherwise yeah, I, you, every, just, you get weak. You get oh, you get yeah, bad every day. I mean, I'm I'm looking at the, I'm looking at deviations every day and and uh, basic strategy and going on the, the BGA training sites and uh, having my wife deal to me. If she's busy, I'll just sit down and deal to myself. And you know, I, I didn't realize 
you know, that really helps you concentrate because you, you're, you're counting your cards, you're, you're counting the dealer's cards, you're making change, you're doing all this at the same time trying to maintain the running count. And I've gotten, I've gotten much, much better at that. I mean, uh, I'm, I'm good with all that stuff. That's great. Have you had nubs or something like that that you trust to test you out or anything? Oh yeah. So my first test out was actually at boot camp. And, and uh, right. I went to boot camp and I did not do any six deck play. I mean, up to that point, it was a hundred percent double deck. And so at boot camp, they go out and have the, the counting tables and you have to count down six deck while, well, you know, all these different, like people like Leck was one of the ones and Joe 748 was one of the ones they, they do it to you and you keep track. And then, so at the end of boot camp, I asked SD1 if he would test me out on double deck and he did. So I, I passed his the double deck test out, which is, it, it, it was, it, man, my, my palms were sweating and he, we were, we were back in one of the back rooms and he was dealing to me and he had, uh, I think a, a girlfriend at the time and I think another relative about halfway through one of the shoes and they'd, they'd come over to me and, and distract me, put their hands in my hair and say, Hey, honey, what are you doing later on? And, and then, <laughs> right. <laughs> and, and then SD1 would say, well, what's, what's the running count? So I, I nailed it, but I mean, my gosh, I mean, my hands were just, uh, that, that, that was so cool. And he, he's a good guy. Hey, he's one who told me that, uh, in order to get in hours, you're going to have to learn how to play six deck. So I went back home, started practicing with six deck. And then I think it was Colin. Colin put me in contact with Nubs. And then so I contacted Nubs. I flew up and saw him. And I spent an entire day with him, 8 until 5 p.m., no breaks for lunch. And he just grilled me for that whole time. It was so much fun. And I learned so much from him. I played my first six-deck game since the early 90s there at the... And I did well. It, it was it was fun. I really enjoyed doing it. Uh, all the stuff he taught me to do and all the stuff I practicing came to fruition. And then let's see. And then the following year at boot camp, Colin let me stop by and loud and often test me out on six decks. So loud and often passed me on six decks. So then I thought, okay, I'm good to go now. So I, 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 I've been playing some six deck out, uh, out here primarily in and uh, I'm going to play some more in, in Vegas, but uh, I, I'm enjoying six deck. Uh, if, if you get a good game, it's fun. I too prefer single or double deck, but to their point and to add on to their point, not only is it good to know all the games and the multi decks or double, double decks or shoe games. Yeah. It, it's good because you could, you could go to a shop that you intend to play double deck. Say they only have three double deck games there and you get there and they're, and they're all full or maybe two of them are closed. Only one's open. And then, you traveled all this way or even if you just drove a couple hours but there's two or three six deck shoes that are open that are decent games so it's nice to have that in your toolbox i feel the same thing way about spanish 21 and other other uh things like shuffle tracking and whatever because you never know when you're gonna come across a good shuffle tracking game there's not as many as there used to be but when you find one it's a great opportunity uh, i'm just saying it's my point is yeah, it's great no. to have all that stuff in your toolbox just in case because you I, never know what's going to happen when you get to the casino right and i'm concerned about that with playing time like, like on this trip i came back from my home i got to play two and a half hours 
there was a good six deck game at where I was staying, but it was never open, you know. So uh, I'm concerned about when I go to different venues, I'm going to have to start doing that. I have to find places where, you know, I, I can bounce around and still find still find games to play. If I go to just a, a you know, I go four hours and there's only one casino, I mean, that, that's a gamble. We're, we're not about gambling. Uh, the, exactly. I know it sounds, I try to explain that to people, they don't get it. People that aren't APs, but anyway, nope. they just don't get it. But, and also some places, not all places, but some places view their double deck games like premium games. And at some shots, a double deck or single deck are, are basically counter traps. You may get a, a lot more hours in on a, on a shoe game at certain places. Yeah. And you know what I mean? It varies place by place. And that's where, again, the network comes in. But I know right. I can think of a handful of examples right now, just off the top of my head, where the double decks are counter traps and the shoe game is just, they don't even really, you can get, you can get away with a lot more in the shoe game, especially the lower yeah. one. Yeah. Uh, when I'm uh, reading about people's stories, you know, like burning down the house and, and Marco Polo even and all those, I'm sure they're doing other things other than counting, but uh, they're, they're just not relying on uh, six deck double deck. I mean, they're, they're probably, they're probably playing more six deck than double deck because there's more of them out there and they don't get tossed as much. But, you know, it's all about networking and having, like you said, a lot of tools in your, in your toolbox and take them out and use them. Well, everybody, I hope you enjoyed this transmission of our attempt at Imaginary Radio. And thanks to Joe Miner for coming on the show. We'll have more content from Joe in an episode that will be coming out fairly soon. And until then, we will see it on the felt. sound of the 80s. Suddenly you hear it everywhere. Rap music. It's all beat and all talk. It tells you a story and makes you want to dance. Steve Fox examines an overnight phenomenon. Rapping to the beat. Well, there have been talking blues and things like concertos for drums. But right now, all around us, and so compelling you never miss the fact there's no melody, is a music that is all beat and talk. It's rap music, and it sounds like this.